Justin Brierley, welcome to Mormon Discussion. How are you today? I'm very well, Bill, and how are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. Glad to have you on. Uh, Justin Brierley is the, the host of the podcast, Unbelievable. I'm just excited to have you on, but before we get started, would you mind just sharing a brief intro about yourself? Uh, there's going to be a lot of listeners in this audience who haven't heard the podcast yours yet and are, are likely to going to check it out after this episode, but give them a, a brief intro about yourself. Sure. Well, uh, I, uh, I host a weekly faith debate show called Unbelievable. It's on a Christian radio station here in the UK called Premier Christian Radio. But over the years, it's certainly grown internationally as a podcast. So a lot of people in the USA now listen and download it on a regular basis. And essentially, the, the format is that I'm the host and each week I'm joined by a Christian and quite often a non-Christian. Sometimes it's two Christians of different theological persuasions and we have a good discussion. You know, we give a good amount of time over for talking about different issues. Very often, it, though, it will be an atheist and a Christian debating the existence of God or the reliability of scripture or, or something along those lines. Um, so I've been doing that for over 10 years now, and it's grown quite a following in that time, which is great. But it's not the only thing I do here. Um, Premier is a wider Christian media organization. So apart from the radio show and podcast, I also edit a magazine we publish called Premier Christianity Magazine. That's a monthly Christian magazine, somewhat like Christianity Today in the USA. Um, and yeah, uh, I've, so I've been doing that for a while and, um, and that's, that's kind of, yeah, what, what I do. Um, I could tell you how I got into doing it, but again, that's, uh, that's another story. Gotcha. I do want to talk a little bit about the podcast before we jump into some, some religious questions, but, um, how did you get into this? Like what, what got you, did you do this, you start this kind of thing up on your own or were, was the a company already existing and, and you jumped on board? Like, give me a little bit of how you got into this gig. Sure. Well, Premier Christian Radio has has been around for getting on for 22 years now. So I joined, um, you know, once it was obviously well underway. Um, I uh, started off really in live radio on our breakfast show. Uh, I kind of became the co-host of, of the weekday morning breakfast show, talking to Christians about Christian things, uh, very much aimed at a Christian audience. Um, got to a stage in my life, though, where we um my wife and i were starting a family my wife was um beginning a career of her own and my um time and chain sort of hours were changing a bit and so i suggested um to the management uh, that i come off doing this breakfast show and start my own weekly show once a week show uh where we would talk to non-christians uh, so you know we we served the christian community really well in terms of talking to christians about christian things but I said it would be fun to break out the bubble once a week and have something where we talk to non-Christians and kind of help Christians to know how to do that kind of dialogue. And that's how Unbelievable was born. It's it's unbelievable with a question mark. So the idea is, you know, is Christian faith unbelievable and testing the claims of Christian faith in this kind of open ended dialogue and discussion format. And that's really how it got going. Um, not everyone was a fan in our audience when it first began, because, you know, a lot of them said, hey, there's plenty of uh, airspace for atheists on the BBC. Why do we have to have them on our Christian radio station as well? But um, those who uh, enjoyed it listened. Those who didn't learned to skip it for the hour and a half or so that it was on on a Saturday afternoon. And of course, as I say, it's really grown in popularity with both Christians and non-Christians as a podcast in that time as well. Excellent. And, and having listened to your podcast myself, Justin, I really love the, the format you've got where you've got these two people on kind of opposing sides of an issue and they're, and they're talking about things. And, and I respect this idea that you're saying, which is that when folks kind of first started listening, there's this conservative Christian view that, you know, uh-oh, you're, you're, you're pushing these boundaries and you're talking about the other side of the, the coin or the, or the other side of the spectrum and you're giving people kind of a platform to, to spread the opposite message of what we're trying to do. I'm curious what the listener's experience has been over these 10 years in terms of, uh, folks hearing both sides of the issues. If you get emails from people that their, their minds are changed over these things or, or that, this gives you kind of, is this a nice way for you too that, that you feel like bad rationale is kind of, um, dispelled by these, these types of discussions? Well, I think it, it is a very healthy thing, even if it's sometimes an uncomfortable thing to hear views that are opposed to your own and that force you to think about the rationale of the things you believe. 
Um, and yeah, I think there are different types of people out there and different types of Christians. And for some, that will be too threatening and they will prefer not to listen to something like that. Um, and that's understandable. That's, it's just not some people's cup of tea, you know. But uh, the other side, I know plenty of Christians for whom it has been very helpful because at the end of the day, they've had those kinds of questions themselves, you know, and and too often I think they've been in churches where they've been told not to question or to to bury those questions in some way. Just, you know, you know, often it's well-meaning, but often the, the best response many churches give to people who have questions is, well, you've just got to accept it by faith, you know, um, and, and unfortunately you know that's not the way lots of people's minds operate so i don't think there's anything wrong with with our asking those questions and seeking answers and we obviously do it in this format where it can be quite full-on you know if you've got an atheist really pummeling some you know long-held christian belief uh that 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 will be quite difficult for a christian to hear but hopefully i've also lined up a christian on the other side who's who's got a good answer for that um and so in a sense i i don't exactly recommend unbelievable for for kind of those who are if you like if if you like it's it's not there for people who who are seeking to get spiritual sustenance necessarily it's more there for those who are wanting to engage with rational inquiry and that kind of level of of uh their christian faith um and so i i fully accept it's it's not going to be for everyone but then it it has appealed to lots of christians who uh, have found it it's been really helpful in helping them to sort through the way they think about faith in one way or another um it's it's not exactly a systematic theology or anything you know we we go all over the place with different subjects and different points of view but i think anyone who listens over the long term will um be presented with i think a good sort of kind of framework for for being a christian uh, in a very sceptical world, in a very pluralistic world, in a way that will help them to think through and um, and know how to engage with people who take a different perspective. I mean, that's certainly been my my experience. I've learned an awful lot through doing the show. Certainly, some of my ideas in theology have changed, um, you know, because of doing the show over the years. Um, in a way that I wouldn't say has turned me into a more quote-unquote liberal christian but in a way that has helped me to be a more nuanced christian helped me to think through what the key things are what the the core of christianity is about um what things we can agree to disagree on and what things are central to christianity so um yeah i'd i'd, I'd say uh for you know the, the people who tend to get in touch and say your show has really helped me tend to be people who have been on a kind of an intellectual journey and and um it, it's helped them in that way yeah, awesome, awesome. I, I've listened to like 30 episodes. I know you recently you had NT Wright on and did kind of a Q&A uh, a type of thing with him. Um, we're talking today with Justin Brierley, host of the podcast Unbelievable. The, the main reason I wanted to have you on today, Justin, was to discuss uh, kind of your own your own personal faith journey through through doing both the podcast as well as as just thinking about religious things throughout your life the the question i wanted to start with was kind of um you know people place authority in a multitude of things church leaders political parties parents sometimes a famous person or an athlete when it comes to deciding like truth in your life like what are those authorities you look to and i just want to ask you too as a follow-up like what do you do when your gut disagrees with those folks yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting question. Um, because I think that, well, at least when it comes to, to Christianity and the truth of Christianity, there's, there's a few different areas where you, you look to for authority and, and, and in a sense, the, what, what we choose to, to trust when it comes to our, our beliefs. Um, I would say that there's, there's a direct kind of, experiential kind of thing that going on um you know in my life which is where i trust in the you know the inner witness that i have of um the christian faith being true in my experience in uh the 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 way that it it has you know spoken into my life um through being converted and through uh through through you know that that sense of quite a direct personal connection with the truth of christianity 
um when it comes to the sort of specifics of doctrines and and who w- what sort of um sources you trust as an authority for that i mean i i would generally say you know that i i would subscribe to an you know if you like orthodox sort of christian view that has been handed down over many centuries in in the creeds and um and in that sense uh i'm happy to say that i that that acts as a source of authority for me you know the 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 early church and christians down the ages hammered out what they thought the the essence of christianity was contained in 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 the, you know the 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 core doctrines of the faith and um for me i i am happy to subscribe to those and say that that for me is is the the authority if you like that that represents you know and it's coming from the bible it's coming from tradition it's coming from um the you know the way that the early church put this all together and it co- it's coherent and it makes sense of the world as i see it today so there's a sort of a sense in which my the the authority is the same as it has been historically for for all christians you know um the witness of the holy spirit um the council of the church and scripture is is sort of if you like the three things i suppose that that count, count for me as as authoritative i i love too that you're mentioning kind of this inner this inner witness is is that kind of leading off the list and and appreciate that input um I know on your podcast you're often having these debates where there's there's various interpretations of scriptures. I know you've had people talk about like young earth creationism versus old earth creationism. And and in those discussions, I mean I find them interesting because me and all the listeners of this podcast, Mormon Discussion, are constantly kind of weighing where science takes us versus what tradition has told us. And they're kind of wrestling with the very things that you're discussing on your podcast. I'm curious kind of how, how you've come down or if your view has changed at all from maybe where you were 10 or 15 years ago versus where you are today on, on like the literal literacy of scripture, um, the actual existence of prophets, maybe their lives being embellished or not embellished, those kinds of debates, the flood, the tower of Babel, uh, Babel, is there, is there a place kind of you come down on, on how you view these stories and these people within them? I mean, if I'm absolutely honest with you, Bill, uh, I, before I did unbelievable, I, I honestly didn't rethink really that much about some of the issues that we've since debated at great length on, on various shows. And so, so there's a sense in which, uh, doing the show has has kind of made me decide okay what do i actually think about that thing because it may be that it never really kind of figured that much in my day-to-day sort of thinking or or, or i didn't need to have a position on whether this and such and such is literally true or figurative or, or whatever it is um i mean I, i'd certainly say that my um the years of doing the show have introduced me to the fact that you know by the bible is a vast range of different genres of literature you know and it uh, I, I don't think even the most fundamentalist person um in terms of the way they treat scripture would want to say that it's all uh, should be treated in exactly the same way you've obviously got poetry um wisdom literature parable um all kinds of different genres of of literature within the you know the 66 books that make up at least the the protestant bible and um and from that point of view i think one of the things that's been really valuable for me is is to be able to see okay so what what should we be treating as historical what are we not obliged to necessarily treat as historical and um and you know really understanding how the ancients themselves and the writers would have understood and interpreted the stories they were they were hearing and, and speaking of i mean if you want you know my my kind of specifics on on things like the early chapters of genesis so creation flood tower of babel and so on um i you know i think up to genesis 12 really what you're dealing with is a sort of um it, to some extent it's more of a kind of primordial um existence state that that the early hebrews kind of had had a number of different ways of understanding i think from genesis 12 you get sort of you start obviously with the patriarchs and uh abraham and so on and and it's it's got more of a sense of this is now our history being told whereas i you know i've always seen well i've seen for quite a long time the the the, the chapters from genesis 1 to 12 of being more kind of like these are the stories of 
of how we understand ourselves if you like um and and they're not sort of specific to the israelite peoples per se they're specific to the world you know these are stories about the whole of the world um and and in that sense um i see them as as being um stories which we're not necessarily obliged to take in a completely literalistic fashion but they're they're sort of stories that that are about the hebrew people understanding their place in this world full of other pagan alternatives to Yahweh um and you know there's been a lot of good stuff done on that level on things like the the flood story in the way in which obviously you've got a very similar tale in the epic of Gilgamesh but that in in the Hebrew version um the god that they have at the center of their story has a very different kind of nature and quality to the capricious gods involved in the in the Gilgamesh epic and I think that for sure we should be looking to those stories and finding the the elements of them that that kind of uh evidently were speaking to the people who first wrote them down um that's not to say that i um am against these stories having a historical core you know i'm very happy to to affirm there there probably was a, a great flood that um those stories all kind of come from if you like um you know it would be impossible to say exactly how much they historically line up with a specific character called Noah or whatever. And, and obviously that's, um, that's, you know, it's always going to be a topic of debate. In the end, I've never felt like having a particular line on the, the specific historicity of those stories is, is something that Christians, you know, I know, I know obviously for many Christians, it is incredibly important to have, have that. I, for me, what's important is, is our theology of Christ and uh, I'm I'm willing f- for there to be a lot more divergence, frankly, on the way people treat the early chapters of Genesis, um, whether they're figurative, poetic, or or definitely history. Um, there's a there's a for me, uh, I've never felt that you have to have one or the other of in that uh, in those early chapters for Christianity to to make perfect sense. I, I think that it it um, Christianity absolutely works um regardless of of the exact nature of the early chapters of genesis so you know we've done obviously the creationist debates where um we've talked about the the fall and everything and you know for many young earth creationists if you don't have a literal adam and eve and a garden and a fall then you 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 know christianity doesn't make sense you haven't got um an original sin to be uh to to be saved from uh and in a sense you know i'm I, I would affirm a fall took place that, but I'm, I, I'm quite open to that having been a sort of first human couple that were maybe God breathed or whatever and that they rebelled effectively. Uh, uh and, and that the, the Adam and Eve story is kind of telling us that in a certain way. Um, but the, the point being, I don't, I don't kind of, um, I, I certainly don't hold this, the kind of the narrow literalism that say a young earth creationist would hold about the Adam and Eve story, I, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's kind of an old adage, but that the Genesis story is more about why things happen than, than exactly how they happened. And that the, what we're meant to understand from it is that humanity is, you know, is in rebellion against God, basically. And that, that the whole thrust and narrative of the rest of scripture is about God turning humanity back to himself and the redemption of, of the world, uh, culminating in Jesus Christ. So, um, yeah, long waffly answer. Sorry about that, but but that was that's kind of where I am on on a lot of that stuff. I appreciate it. It it, it makes sense because I think uh, again, me and a lot of the listeners of this podcast kind of approach things the same way, where you're trying to hold to you know some of these basic truth claims that our faith and Christianity at large has, but at the same time, just being much more fluid and not being a rigid believer not being not being one that has to hold everything to a literal perspective and it gives you a lot more flexibility when you encounter some of these things that that can throw you off a little bit um you stated you know you state you're a christian and and i'm curious kind of of the dichotomy in terms of um beauty and truth that you find within christianity i i find that a lot of folks will close themselves off to only looking for beauty and truth within their 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 you know the faith they grew up in the faith they they belong to and i'm curious you know having done this podcast that you do and hearing both sides all the time 
if if you kind of stay within your faith tradition or do you seek truth in other places or do you read other faith scriptures do you look to 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 read about other religions i mean i want to see how that kind of plays out in your own life yeah um it's a great question i mean <clears throat> I, I do read about obviously other traditions, other faiths. I must admit, primarily, it's often done in the context of preparing for unbelievable, and and when I'm you know engaging with people of other worldviews and so on. Um, you know, I, I would be an advocate of of again uh, an old saying, but that all truth is God's truth, and um, yeah, I, I I don't you know I I think in in many ways I I, I may have more in common say with uh, a Muslim or a Hindu than I do maybe with an atheist who thinks that all religions are wrong. <laughs> At least there are things in, you know, Islam or, or Hinduism I can affirm, even if there are plenty of things that I would diverge from the average Muslim and Hindu on. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I take my lead really from St. Paul um, when he said, you know, at the, uh, to the Athenians, uh, I see that, you know, you, you're, you're searching after God and he didn't, in that sense, negate their search. He didn't say, you heretics. Um, but rather, he redirected their search towards Jesus Christ. And I think, in that sense, I can affirm that all cultures, all places at all times are searching for the truth. They're searching for God. And, um, you know, as Paul says, grasping around. Um, but obviously, as a Christian, I believe the truth is found in Jesus Christ, that, that he is the answer to to that search. Um, but in that sense, it, it it does not surprise me that many other faith traditions, you know, happen upon beautiful things and ways of life, which which are, are good and which, you know, we can all um, affirm um, and, and, and we shouldn't be afraid of, of, of affirming those things when we find them and, and saying, yeah, that's uh, that, that's something which which has, you know, the ring of God about it. Uh, I just say that, that in the end, for me, it does come down to obviously all of these things point back to Christ in the end. And, um, and I guess I just believe that, that when it comes to that kind of thing, that, um, everything that is true will be found to have, to have had its true, true place, its true meaning in Jesus Christ in the end. Um, in a sense, that's quite a, uh, yeah, could could be seen as quite an arrogant thing for me to say to someone of another faith. You know, everything that's true in your religion, you'll find was true in Jesus Christ. But that is, in a sense, you know that 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 is the claim of Christianity. And um, so, in that sense, yeah, I, I don't see a problem in in finding beauty and truth in other religions. Uh, it's um, you know, it's it's what C.S. Lewis talked about, isn't it, when he talked about. Uh, christianity being the true myth um so you've you see lots of uh you know one of the things that held him back from becoming a christian was that he saw in pagan cultures and and traditions and myths other dying and rising gods and uh and he said isn't christianity just another one of those uh and i think it was you know his friendship with J.R.R. tolkien who which happened to see actually that well, what if Christianity is the true one of those? And all of those are echoes, both before and after Christ, of a world that seeking to find that story. And then Christ kind of puts it in flesh and blood um, in his in his incarnation, his death and resurrection. And uh, and that's the way I would see it, that that Christ is fulfilling all religious searching. All of those stories ultimately pointed to him, whether or not the people knew who were taking part in them. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so we're talking today with Justin Brierley, uh, host of the podcast Unbelievable. Uh, I would just highly suggest listeners take a listen. Again, having listened to about 30 episodes or so, Justin, I, I just find that you're finding these important, like you say, intellectual questions that people are going through within the Christian faith and, and you put people on opposing sides of, of that question and, and let them kind of debate it out. And it really makes for a really fun, um, a fun time of listening as I'm driving on my way from, from my home to my work each day. I, I did want to ask you, um, if you yourself, if you consider yourself an orthodox believer, if you would use that kind of term to describe yourself. 
Yeah, I, I guess it depends entirely on what the person means who's asking uh, what orthodox means. But but in my mind, um, if by orthodox you mean stands in the historic tradition of Christian belief, then then yes, I'm an orthodox believer. I believe in the deity of Christ, his death and resurrection, the Trinity, in uh, the communion of saints, in the life to come uh that god is the creator of all things the holy spirit and so 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 you know i i you know i could you know i believe in the the nicene creed um that's to my mind kind of is the something that you could put out there as a sort of uh an example of what the orthodox christianity is now if someone else defines orthodox christianity as i don't know having like a you know a young earth creationist view of genesis or something then then no i guess i'm not but um that's not what i would take as being orthodox christianity i think um you know there, there's a sort of a you know again to quote lewis a mere christianity um and i think um we tend the problem is uh when we we add all kinds of extra aspects of how we need to understand scripture and um and morality and everything else that then turns that mere christianity into a specific denomination of christianity uh, and th- and then obviously you will have differences of opinion from different people but um no i i in a sense uh orthodox with a small o i think i'm happy to to say yeah i, I do think i'm an orthodox believer in that sense um a, a lot of people within their religious frameworks i mean they'll um what's the easy way to put this so a lot of folks in their kind of uh, the traditions that they grow up in, the faith that they grow up in, they they kind of have been told a simple story. A lot of churches will will paint that you know the church has answers for the questions, and and as time goes on, as these folks kind of encounter little bits and pieces that that kind of push those boundaries for them. Many of the questions which you discuss on your podcast, Justin, they they eventually have this moment where like everything just kind of falls apart. And, and a lot of your guests, when they're speaking from the atheist perspective, um, I've heard a few of them share this kind of event in their life where it just kind of all falls apart. And and it's often been described kind of as the, the dark night of the soul. And I'm just curious, like in your your religious journey as you've gone through your life, have you had ever, ever had any of those moments where the questions got to be too mounting and for a period of time, like it all falls apart for you? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to share both from my experience and, and my um, perspective on people who've come in to share their experience of their faith falling apart. I mean, I've never had any earth shattering kind of, um, you know, walking away from faith kind of experience. I, I did have at university, um, a couple of weeks where I, I was pretty uncertain about things. And that was due to an influence in my life, which was making me question, uh, whether this was true. And, um, that kind of passed, um, not particularly through any great apologetic argument that was offered to me, but, um, just because sometimes I think, <laughs> Um, sort of doubt and scepticism can wash up and then recede again in someone's life in a, in a sort of ebbing and flowing way. Um, but I think, I think it was, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a point where I was wondering, is this true? And, and I think it set me up for, for appreciating certainly where many people are coming from when they are, are facing serious doubt and, and a kind of crisis of faith of some sort in their life. Um, Certainly, I've had my preconceptions challenged about certain areas of faith and belief over the years. And, um, you know, I remember when I first had um, Bart Ehrman on my show. So Bart Ehrman, for those who don't know, is a sort of sceptical Bible scholar. He was a Christian at one time. He lost his faith um, primarily kind of through his biblical studies, uh, finally lost his faith altogether because of the problem of suffering and evil. But he... Um, his best-selling book was called Misquoting Jesus, and uh, I had set up to have him on my show. So I read his uh, – this was going to be kind of in the new year, and um, this was several years ago. But um, I kind of read his book over the Christmas break in preparation for having him on, and I'd set him up to have, uh, you know, with a kind of an evangelical Bible scholar who was going to go up against him. And the book, you know, it, it you know, it was seriously challenging, um, sort of it – 
play, cast all kinds of questions on the uh, textual transmission of the Bible. Do we really have the words that were first written down by um, the gospel writers uh, and so on? Uh, ha- won't they, wouldn't they have been changed over time and so on and so on? Uh, and, you know, by the end of it, I was like, oh, crumbs, do we really know anything, <laughs> you know, when I read that? But it, uh, it's kind of a classic case of um, that proverb, isn't it? You know, you hear one person's case and it seems good and then another person says says something and you, you um, you know, puts the other side. And I um, and when I it came to the show and I'd also done some research before the show began, of course, um, and you hear the other side, you realise actually you're getting a very one-sided account inevitably in a book like that and what you actually end up realizing when you hear the other side explained is actually how incredibly uh, reliable the the textual transmission of the bible is simply because so many copies were made that the whole science of textual transmission is that you can get back to kind of 99.5% sort of certainty of what the original text actually said and then if you actually drill down into the specific examples where Bart thinks there may be a question mark over whether the original text said this or that, it turns out to be a tiny handful of actual actually disputed um, parts of passages. And um, which all goes to show, you know, you, you can sort of you, you hear one side sometimes in these things. Suddenly everything seems to be thrown into question but it doesn't actually take that much research to realize there's there's very often a good counter argument to these things um so i I always in a sense and you you kind of get that experience then from doing unbelievable over so many years of you know you'll hear some novel um you know argument against christianity or god i kind of i kind of I know someone's going to have responded to it somewhere. This, you know, this isn't the first person in the world to have thought up this particular objection. And 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 so I I, I certainly don't have the kind of reaction I probably had back then uh, anymore because I think, OK, there, you know, this stuff has been talked about for, for long enough. Um, I think in, in the case of the people I meet who have had a crisis of faith, maybe it's it's gone altogether. I very often reflected that, the the faith they had the faith they lost was was the kind of a kind of a brittle kind of faith that was just asking to be torn down in a sense i i lots of people's faith is sadly it seems to have been constructed sometimes on a house of cards where you pull out one card at the bottom and the whole thing collapses and that card may be a very particular literalistic interpretation of genesis for instance and that may have been sort of hammered so hard in the church they grew up in or whatever that to pull away you know suddenly someone shows you that there may be something you know awry with that particular way of looking at things and suddenly their whole faith collapses now for me that's that kind of faith is that sort of all hangs on one particular way of viewing one particular book of the bible it, it, for me, it is a way, way too shallow and brittle a faith for it to ever have really survived in the long term. Um, and you've got to, you know, uh, too many people, I think, play, their faith is actually in a particular interpretation of scripture. It's not actually in Jesus Christ. And for me, you have to have um, an experience of placing your faith in Jesus Christ that actually, to some extent, uh, is not somehow so kind of tied to a very dogmatic particular version of, you know, a doctrine or a particular um, way of viewing scripture. And, and in, in most cases, it tends to be that the individual in question, it's been a, a very particular way, you know, and so often it is the, the young earth creation thing. Um, that's been the thing that, you know, that card's been pulled out for some reason. And then the whole thing collapses. And I think, well, is that what your entire faith was based upon? Um, because that's not for me what my entire faith is based upon. There's, there's a kind of a multitude of different things that, that feed into my faith. Um, and, and the central one being that I really do believe I, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's, um, uh, and so, so yeah, I, I've always sort of thought, um, it's a shame. It's just a shame because I think so often the the reason people's faith is bristle is because it's kind of it's been created that way by the church they grew up. 
because that church has had such a narrow understanding of scripture that once anything comes along and suggest even suggests a different way of interpreting that it can it, it suddenly you know the foundations are gone and i and i just wonder what the whether there really were any foundations to speak of in the first place in that kind of a faith right i and i think that especially that last little part there very beautiful in, in terms of kind of setting us up to realize that that Christ in Christianity kind of in general um there's room for faith there's room for belief in in a particular faith tradition and their way of interpreting scripture or the narrative they want to set up and hold to that may be fragile that may be brittle um but yet if people can kind of brush that aside and go back to to what is Christ and what is Christianity generally that there's always going to be room for faith there yeah yeah and i just i just honestly think sometimes that you know some of some, especially you know and i hope you take this the right way but but in the states where i think christians can live in more of a bubble it's there just are more kind of christian bubbles to to kind of live in and, and move in um that that on one hand that can be good you know it's you know if you're surrounded by a faith community that thinks the same way that that can really help someone developing the faith at the same time it can it can create a situation where once you escape that bubble, you know, you realize actually there's this whole other world that no one ever told me about. And, um, and that's usually seems to be the point at which people's faith goes south. Now in the UK, you'll, you've got less opportunity to be in the Christian bubble. We simply just don't have that same kind of, um, Christian culture that you might find in the Bible belt or whatever. And, um, and so I, I think it tends to, to produce a more, rounded um durable kind of faith because you have to mix with people of other theological views and other skeptical views to some extent um and in, in a sense if i could recommend anything to a christian who wants to have a strong faith it would actually be don't immerse yourself around people who think the same as you go and explore other christian traditions find out you know try a high anglican uh church and see what they how they make sense of their faith and um you know and and what my experience of doing that and just being privy to to you know quite a wide diversity of christian belief and tradition and practice has been to um to understand that uh, god is not as limited as we sometimes think god is um to one particular tradition or version of christianity he's his worldwide church is quite a diverse church and um and in his grace he works through all kinds of different christians and actually i think it can be a really helpful thing to see and experience what that looks like and it actually gets us out of this very insular bubble kind of christianity which is so easy to to smash to pieces i think when you see the bigger picture of what god's doing through his his church on earth um in a in a big picture kind of way you actually um it actually gives you a much more kind of rounded view of of what the church is what it's for and 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 why you know the way god is acting through it so, um yeah that would be my my view on that yeah and you're speaking right to the heart of kind of what happens in mormonism um i live in st george utah uh which is on the western side of the united states and and in Utah, which is where essentially the Mormon church kind of finally settled down in the 1800s, you, you have about half the population being Mormon in the state. And, and so these people, you know, myself included, my neighbors are members of that faith. My, uh, with everybody within three blocks of my house, we all go to church together. We, there's just really not that opportunity to immerse yourself kind of exploring other traditions, exploring other faiths, exploring the questions. And so when these folks, when their, when their proverbial shelf falls down, because Mormonism or the narrative they kind of held it to doesn't hold up, sadly and unfortunately, a majority of these folks don't find themselves in another church. They find themselves losing faith in God completely. And it's exact, it's exactly what you're speaking to, which is like diversify yourself, realize that Christianity is bigger than Mormonism. It's bigger than evangelical Christianity. It's bigger than, you know, the Methodist. It's bigger than the Catholic Church. It's, it's something bigger that can handle the questions. 
And, and I think my listeners are going to relate to that quite a bit. And, and I just want to appreciate your, your kind of respectful way of kind of exploring that, that, that kind of a question. I, I do want to talk, you mentioned doubt and skepticism a few minutes ago. Um, your thoughts on doubt, your thoughts on skepticism in my church, those are seen as very unhealthy. They're seen as things to almost be scared of or threatened by. And, and I think it's led to, to much of the problems that we're experiencing within Mormonism right now. Um, because those things are going to come out when you have a messy problematic history, which Mormonism does. Um, I want to see what your thoughts are generally within your faith, maybe within Christianity, uh, on doubt and skepticism. Well, I, I think there is a kind of doubt and skepticism which which can have a paralyzing kind of effect on someone's faith. And, and in that sense, you know, it's not that I'm recommending doubt or skepticism, um, because I think there's um, there, there, there's a, a point at which if you simply cannot believe in in any of it then you're you're right you're 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 in a place where that's that's going to be difficult you know um and i can understand why someone at that point gives the whole thing up order um at the same time yeah it's it's like sometimes people seem to be presented with the option that if i can't like i've said believe this particular doctrine then they they give the whole thing up as lost and become an atheist and i've always thought that seems to be throwing the baby out with the bathwater sometimes when um even if you don't think this particular doctrine <laughs> can be uh, rationally believed does that mean god doesn't exist full stop you know that that seems to be kind of a a bit of a an overreach um but at the same time i would say you know that churches have to learn and and have been historically bad i think especially in the, the evangelical protestant tradition of uh coping with doubt and skepticism and and producing atmospheres where people believe they have to look like they're completely on board with everything when actually they're not in real life and that produces a kind of a double a double standard in their life and um I think, you know, I see good signs in the church that actually a lot more churches are becoming a lot more aware and open to the fact that, um, you know, people are human and will 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 struggle with questions of, of doubt and scepticism, especially in the age we live in. Um, and uh, and where they're they're more open to having people who are just on a journey where they're not necessarily kind of feel like they can believe everything that they're in theory supposed to believe say on the the church's uh statement of doctrine or whatever it might be uh but that um you know for me it's okay you know the, i i don't think people are saved by their good theology or um they're saved by faith in jesus christ they're saved by jesus christ it's not sort of something that we can we earn by by having the right theology in that sense I think it's good to think about theology and good to to to, to 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 you know to think about doctrine but um it I think it has to be done in a way where people aren't basically being threatened with being tossed out when they're thinking about by thinking about it basically and that that unfortunately can be has been the case historically in some churches um I um I I don't know I I I think in that sense um doubt is a natural part of being a Christian. Um, I don't think that, um, that, that we're, sp- it's not that, um, certainty is not the same thing as faith. Uh, so for me, Christians who are certain tend to be some, the often kind of the hardest ones to kind of actually hear anything from because, uh, they're not open to listening. They're not open to actually having a genuine dialogue. Um, so faith for me is, is very much something which is part and parcel with doubt, you know, and, um, you know, the, the greatest, uh, if you actually look at the lives of, you know, many of the heroes of the faith, they, they all had their doubts. And, um, and so we, we need to kind of go easy on ourselves as well when, when we have doubts about things and, um, uh and and as i say i'm not obviously there is a kind of a doubt and skepticism that that becomes paralyzing to someone's faith but i think there's also a doubt and skepticism which can actually be help someone to 
to naturally move their faith on as they, you know, go through different seasons of their own life and become a different person to the one maybe they were when they started to believe in Christianity. Um, and uh, I think there's a sort of a, a framework within which it all holds together. Um, but I've, I've increasingly, you know, I suppose <laughs> for me, um, I, I, I'm, I'm open to quite a wide range of places that Christians find themselves on quite a wide variety of issues. Um, because for me, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to a quite a wide degree of latitude for people who call themselves Christians who are simply trying to be followers of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and for me, often that is enough for someone who, who, who can't even necessarily claim much more than that of their, of, of their faith. Uh, and for me, I still think Christ can respond to that, um, because God, Christ is gracious ultimately. And, and it's, he, you know, he can take faith like a mustard seed and make something of it. Perfect. Perfect. I enjoyed the answer and, and I, I appreciate like how you're engaging these questions and, and, and these things are applying to Mormonism and, and I appreciate the re, the respect kind of as you're going through these that you're offering to, to folks outside of kind of your faith tradition. I, I want to finish up. We're talking with Justin Brierley today, uh, host of uh, the podcast Unbelievable. Uh, again, just an incredible podcast. Uh, I hope the listeners will check it out. We'll leave links on the, the website to, to point people towards it. And I know that it, just cause I found it there that it's on iTunes. The, uh, I want to just touch base one last time with the podcast itself, Justin. What is, what is your hope for the effect the podcast has on your audience? And, and maybe has that changed over, over the 10 years you've been doing this? Um, just want to get your thoughts kind of on the impact that it's had. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, if I'm honest, you know, I started that podcast in with kind of some kind of vague hope. I think that, you know, every episode, atheists would be kneeling down by their radio sets repenting and coming to faith in jesus now that hasn't quite happened but um it has been it's it's still been certainly i i think i i i quickly moderated my expectations for what it would be um i wasn't i i never really expect the people who are taking part in the discussion to necessarily change their beliefs or perspectives though that does happen sometimes um but i i do expect um both Christians and non-Christians listening to, I hope, be open-minded and to to hear, you know, different perspectives and to be able to work that into their own worldview. Uh, I mean, unashamedly, I hope that non-Christians who listen, skeptics, atheists, agnostics, will be challenged to consider the claims of the Christian faith. And um, they will hear quite a wide variety of different kinds of Christians giving their perspective on faith and within that i hope they will see that there is an intellectual credibility to christianity you know i I always say you know you you may still be an atheist by the time you finish listening to 100 200 episodes of unbelievable but hopefully you won't be one that says it's all just fairy tales and nonsense hopefully you'll be one that recognizes actually there are some intelligent people who actually believe this stuff and who seem to have reasons that they think at least are good reasons for believing so that 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 at a minimum you know would be my hope for the atheist or skeptic who who maybe starts listening for the christian um i would hope that it would help them to engage with some of the questions they may be facing themselves i hope it would broaden their their understanding of christianity um i hope it would deepen their faith um because for me it's certainly done that um i uh it will challenge met often a christian i think with with kind of some of the preconceptions many christians often come to faith with but i hope that it will ultimately enrich and deepen and um encourage them um in in the bigger picture and uh, and I hope in the end it will also encourage everyone, whichever side of the fence they're on, to to have better conversations. I've kind of adopted a bit of a new strapline recently for the programme, which is simply about um, having better conversations. 
And, uh, you know, I think that's really needed in the world today because the Internet was supposed to kind of, you know, be this communication revolution. I think all it's really done is actually ended up putting people even more firmly in their own silos and talking to people who already agree with what they agree with. And uh, so having a format of a show where you genuinely have get people out of that hand grenade kind of lobbying online debate world, which often exists, uh, and actually get people face to face and talking is a really um, good thing to do, even if neither of them change their mind. Um, it's it's just a good um, thing to do as an example for other people of of how you can fruitfully engage people without tearing them down but but genuinely engaging with with the things that they're saying uh we've had justin Brierley, host of the podcast unbelievable on today justin uh in terms of social media in terms of internet uh where can people find out more stay kind of in touch with you and stay in touch with your podcast where are those things located well the website for the show is at premierchristianradio.com slash unbelievable and um, you can find all the episodes there to listen back to. You can find links to the the um, RSS, you know, whatever podcast software you use or the iTunes link if you want to download it. Uh, there's also articles, features, videos, um, stuff like that that you can find at the website. So, so, so that's, you know, your portal to all things to do with Unbelievable. We've got obviously a an unbelievable Facebook page and Twitter account as well. You can find that at unbelievable JB is my Twitter handle, facebook.com slash unbelievable JB. If you want to find it on Facebook, but uh, yeah, main place to go is the, the website premierchristianradio.com slash unbelievable. Excellent. And I just would encourage listeners not only check out the podcast just for the, the fact that it's a, it's a great one, but also as what Justin's saying, which is as, as we as a Mormon community, um, have kind of had to reconstruct our faith. There's, I, 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 what I don't want is people just walking out the back door and just leaving Christianity altogether. And, and there are deeper ways to kind of see your Christian faith and to, to see Christ. And I would just hope people would engage that. And, and I find the podcast unbelievable to be a great way to do it. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you being on. Thank you very much for having me, Bill, and all the very best.